Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that took the first step towards building a larger video game community. I am David Lloyd, your host and community manager for the newly launched Thirsty Mage Patreon. Just in time for our 75th episode, we've established a Patreon to help grow the site and become a much more interactive experience. Just to uh, give you an idea of the, uh, the benefits of joining our Patreon, we've got three tiers currently available, beginning with the Warrior class at $2 a month. This gives you the, uh, the benefit of uh, being part of the selection team on, uh, on Discord, so you'll be able to make recommendations on the content that, the, that appears on the podcast, and uh, also uh, the stuff that we'll be covering on the YouTube, YouTube channel. And uh, the next step up from there is the White Mage class at $5 a month. You get all the benefits of the Warrior class plus access to the games that we come across. So these could be games that we get review codes from, uh, from the often we get them from developers. Uh, it could even be physical copies of games that we've uh, covered on the Mage. Uh, for example, Paper Mario uh, Thousand Year Door. Uh, stuff like that. So we'll be uh, the whole kind of point of the, uh, the Patreon is to uh, share the experiences so whenever we can pass on a, an RPG for someone else to enjoy uh, that's our plan and uh, the final highest tier the black mage class uh, that comes in at ten dollars a month gets you all that great stuff and more and um, with the final benefit being that uh, you get a producer credit on our YouTube videos so you get to see your name uh, on our videos and uh, have the uh, the benefit of, of knowing uh, that you're, you're helping create content for uh, our our community so uh, I'm hoping uh, everyone will be able to uh, join us uh, in our Patreon and the Discord. And uh, if anyone would like uh, detailed information, we're always available. Shoot us a DM on uh, Twitter or, or uh, on Discord. I'd uh, love to have you join with the Mage. But joining me tonight, as always, for a pint in a discussion, and he's technically the first official Patreon member of the Thirsty Mage, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. Uh, I wasn't even sure that you were going to launch it today. It was kind of a surprise to me, but I was happy to become the uh, the first uh, patron of the site, David. Um, yeah, it's obviously an exciting thing. Uh, really hoping for uh, lots of people to join us here and uh, yeah, make make the experience more interactive and just get more voices happening uh, with the channel and the site. And uh, yeah, it should be good. Um, note that we've hidden a rat tail somewhere in the world. And if you find the rat tail, you can uh, <laughs> class up to a black wizard, white wizard, or a knight class as well. So uh, be on the lookout for, uh, please don't be on the lookout for that. We haven't <laughs> hidden a rat tail anywhere. Uh, but uh, though those one day. Are, well, yeah, one day we will. Uh, it, it reminds yeah. me of like the, the those kind of like treasure hunts that people go, or like rich people like bury treasure somewhere and hey, get people to find. It. I think I think some of those treasure hunts have been very dangerous, so uh, probably not something we're ever going to do uh, just to keep everybody safe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, what what I did want to start with uh, today is just uh, how tired I'm feeling, uh, and, and you know I'm sure, I'm sure you're tired too, Dave, from launching the Patreon, but. Um, my, my wife has gone back to work now and today was one of the first days where I had the kids, uh, mostly, uh, to myself to look after today and gosh, you know, just from, from <laughs> making them breakfast, to uh, you know, getting them, getting them dressed for the day. And, uh, I, I went out to run some errands with my youngest, uh, while, uh, my, my older son was, uh, at grandma's house and yeah, just, uh, I'm exhausted today. <laughs> like I feel like I'm I'm ready to fall asleep. I almost passed out before we started recording. So uh, I'm gonna try to keep the energy level up, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I I feel like this could be par for the course uh, for the rest of the fall. I'm 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 at home taking care of the kids while my wife's at work. Um, I do it is so it's kind of my vacation time uh, during the fall. That's how it works for for my teaching schedule and. 
Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be much of a vacation. Uh, obviously, you know, I love taking care of my kids, love spending time with them. But uh, uh, the idea of being tired at like <laughs> four or five in the afternoon every day uh, isn't necessarily all that appealing. So I'll do my best to make it through the podcast. But uh, if I if I fall asleep, David's going to need to shout, uh, shout at me a little bit to wake me up. So <laughs> no, no, there's nothing more tiring than trying to chase children around, especially when it's your own. So, yeah, uh, I know. I've I've been dealing with that for the past six months, and now that the kids have gone back to school, it's a it's a whole different uh, lifestyle now. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like my wife's a teacher, right? So she's going to be running around six year olds, uh, chasing after six year olds all day at work, and then she's going to come home, and I'm going to be tired from looking after our one year old and three year old, and so uh, we can't really, at least until they go to bed, not, neither of us can seem to escape uh, the chasing of uh, chasing after of children. So. Uh, we're probably both going to be just, just tired and early nights, uh, for at least a little while until we adjust. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's funny. Like the beginning of school, like I, until my kids start actually going to school, uh, it's not the reprieve for me that it is for you, David. Uh, the next couple of years, September is always going to be a time <laughs> where, uh, I'm probably going to be even busier than normal. So. Exactly. Well, and, uh, I guess, I guess you might have to switch. I know Casey gives you a hard time for drinking decaf all the time, but, uh, it's times like these where you where you wonder if you might have to switch over to a caffeinated, and I I, I know uh, your stomach wouldn't be as happy, but your mind might be. Yeah, it might be a trade off, <laughs> right? Just for nights when I have to get stuff done, and I, I've honestly thought about yeah. it. Like maybe ha- yeah, having a little bit more caffeine, uh, just to make sure that uh, I can power through a bunch of writing or reviews or playing through games at night. Um, to that end, so yeah, I have been drinking a little bit more pop lately, uh, but. I, I I have to kind of make a make a final stand here with something, uh, and it's not it, it's not eliminating pop. I don't know if I can do that, but uh, I've I've been having a Pepsi from a two liter, and I think the problem with a two liter is you don't if you unless you finish it within a couple days, like flat pop is just the worst. Like it, it <laughs> yep. I'd rather just dump it down the sink. Like it's it's so bad, and I, I've been having cans of pop. I guess over the last month or so, and just by comparison, like it's it's not even close. Like I'd rather spend the extra money just to make sure that every time you have some, it, it's fresh and it's you know it's fizzy and it's just it just tastes so much better. Like the flat pop is kind of making me sick. Like it's it's just sickly. It, it it's a little bit sweeter, I guess, because you don't get the fizz as much. And oh yeah, I just really didn't enjoy it at all. So I think I'm, I'm with pretty the sure. Pretty sure it's scientifically proven that pop tastes better out of an aluminum can than a plastic bottle anyway, is it not? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's been, always been my experiences. Uh, even even with, like, the half-liter bottles, I've never, yeah. like, it just tastes different to me. Like, there's a different taste between, I don't know if it's the shape of the bottle or mm-hmm. um, what it is, but I just feel like there's something different about it coming from an aluminum can as opposed to the plastic bottle. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. If if it if the bottle like is just opened and you pour I put in a uh, you know a glass with lots of ice like I I I think I can't really tell the difference as much there but yeah after a, after a couple of days of after it's been opened I I think it's the the it's like driving a car off the lot you know the value just decreases like half by half as soon as you open that bottle so uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna either stick to cans or just just stick to water or something else. Uh, Rather than go with any bottle pop, it's just ugh, not very good today. So <laughs> yeah. that was my, my my poor choice of drink. But again, I, so one of the reasons I was kind of forcing myself to have a little bit more of it because I, I wanted some sugar, I wanted some caffeine to wake me up. But 
Uh, I don't think that was enough. I'm going to need to try something stronger. So yeah, maybe as you suggest, and as Casey uh, chides me for, maybe I'll have uh, I'll have to switch back to caffeinated coffee. <laughs> yeah, the uh, for the 75th episode and for the Patreon launch, I decided to go with uh, a little bit special beer tonight. Uh, this one it comes from. I-, I was shocked to see this in my in my local uh, supermarket, but this comes from. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Beef. I this, don't uh, know. I don't think I know that. No. So Joe Beef is um, it's this a famous chef in Quebec. Uh, okay. I believe he's uh, kind of north, like in the Montreal area, but a little bit north of there. I I mm. think. Um, but it's yeah, he's famous famous chef. It, it, it's um. So they and they're kind of like in the forest sort of thing. It's kind of like a foresty kind of chef. They they do a lot of uh, extravagant ah, extravagant things uh, with uh, using different like they got a maple farm, maple syrup farm there, and they uh, you, you see them. I, I've seen them on a few food shows and the stuff like they have these big huge spreads of food where you just you can't imagine can't imagine how people actually eat that much food and they yeah. they like pouring truffle oil all over stuff like it's, it's i can i can picture it stuff. i might have even seen him before doing this because like everything you're describing sounds like i've seen a program like that before yeah. well and he's like he's a very eccentric man too like they there was um i believe he was on anthony bourdain's show mm-hmm. uh and they they went uh ice fishing up in uh, northern quebec and Yes. Uh, the yes. lunch they had was this wild, like the, they had the truffle oil lunch on like these r- duck uh, sandwiches or something very crazy, and like charcuterie boards and stuff. Like yeah, very that might be where I've that might be where I've seen him before. That that's yeah. I, I watched a lot of Anthony Bourdain's shows on Netflix and wherever, but yeah, that that does sound really familiar. Yeah, and uh, so they actually I I found a beer <laughs> with their branding on it. Now I I don't mm. believe it was actually brewed by. Uh, the, the chef because it's from the four origins micro brassiere um but it it uh it it comes like the ingredients do come from their farm because it's, it's beer that's brewed with organic sea buckthorn from quebec and it's called joe beef apocalypse mm. um which is very uh on brand for them uh, it's also so yeah on brand they, for 2020 <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah so uh yeah they i'll just read it so the it's the the wording is the apocalypse the apocalypse is here this thirst quencher is made from organic sea buckthorn tea and berries from quebec it encourages you to make astute observations take the time to smell the flowers and watch a sunset and be kind to one another uh so yeah it's and it was really it was good it was like it's a ale uh pretty light it's uh closer to a white i would say um but yeah there was uh, you could kind of get the subtle uh berries and and some kind of uh, herb <laughs> but it was uh it was good uh, I, ha- I thoroughly enjoyed it and i just thought uh it would be good to get uh, an eccentric uh, weird uh beer for the the 75th episode so yeah i like that the beer you chose for launching the patreon has the word apocalypse in it because <laughs> yeah you you know starting uh we're we're but like I said, like I, when you you said apocalypse, and I'm thinking about all the pictures I saw today of California and, and places on the West Coast. Like it was really smoky here yesterday because of all the wildfires. Not that this is connected to the beer, other than the word apocalypse. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was smoky here yesterday. And it cleared up today, but all the wildfires uh, in California and then I guess on the West Coast have really been uh, taking a toll on on that those states uh, or that state in particular. Uh, just a lot of cool, I mean, cool looking, I guess, uh, definitely not a cool situation, but all the shots of like 
the 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 red skies, the yellow with the orange skies, and it just it looks like it looks like we're on Mars or it is a post-apocalyptic uh, world or hellscape that we're living in, uh, and I I feel bad for those people kind of caught caught in the middle of that, but. Um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> more more positive <laughs> things to come on on this episode other than uh, uh, what's happening there for sure. It can only go up from here. Uh, twenty twenty has to end one day. Yeah, we need, yeah, hopefully wishing them some rain uh, for sure. And uh, yep. yeah, I, I, I guess for everybody, uh, an end to this year and hopefully a better year next for, uh, next year. But uh, but anyways, things are happening here. You know, we've we've, we've we're staying we're staying positive and still uh, you know kicking out on the RPG train. So. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of RPGs, uh, we've got a few tonight because we're doing uh, kind of a general what we've been playing because uh, it's been the the beginning of September usually is pretty busy. There, There's a lot of games that come out at the end, very end of August, early September. And uh, it's basically kind of going to be a sprint from here to the end of uh, December is, is kind of the, the normal year anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on all the releases that are coming, it doesn't seem to be any different for, for that uh in that regard. So, uh, yeah, we've been playing a few different things. I know I've been playing a few different uh, CRPGs, but uh, Jordan, why don't you kick us off with one of the games that you've been playing? somewhere around the end of August, I believe. Um, the game is called Immortal Realms Vampire Wars. It was actually a game that I uh, demoed at PAX, I think not last year, maybe the year before that. Um, so it's a kind of a, a turn-based tactics game, but it also has uh, some management, um, some kingdom management elements as well. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of a game like uh, Heroes of Might and Magic uh, for those who play the, an older um, uh, kind of turn-based strategy game on PC. Uh, I, I played the original games, uh, Heroes uh, Heroes 1, 2, and 3 uh, decades ago, uh, feels like anyways. Uh, and I know there are more recent entries in that series, but yeah, th- this game feels a little bit like that if you, if you do know those ones. Um, uh, obviously very, uh, you know, kind of dark themed with all the vampires uh, and the, uh, you play as the vampire characters and they're kind of clashing with humans and other vampires. Um, the game is divided into three uh, factions uh, that make up the campaign, uh, which are all different uh, groups of vampires that you play as. Um, there's some animated cutscenes. The animation isn't great. Uh, I think it looks a little bit worse on Switch compared to, uh, I believe the game launched on PC earlier. Um, it's not bad. Uh, I, I, I'm digging the, uh, kind of the way that it, there's a depth to it. Uh, there, there's an RPG mechanic in that, uh, not only does the vampire Lord that you control level up, but also he gain, he or she gains uh, legacy points that kind of level up the whole faction. So, uh, one character you're playing as in, in one of the chapters, there's four chapters for each, uh, each section, each of the three campaign sections. Um, each character can uh, gain experience for their, I guess it's called, they're called like legacy levels or their, their legacy, which lets them level up uh, 
all of the units and all of the lords under that banner. Uh, so you've kind of got an extensive skill tree there. Um, you're, you're capturing territories, which gives you experience, but also gives you access to uh, buildings uh, like cities and towns that you can harvest from, uh, which increases the uh, troops that you have in your army. Um, there, it, it's a little bit kind of daunting at first. There's a tutorial which is probably worth playing through if you're interested in the game. Uh, I kind of skipped it because I had played the game before, but now I'm kind of wishing I'd gone back just because I'd forgotten a bunch of it. Um, there's a blood meter at the top of the screen that kind of accumulates uh, based on the number of territory. I think it's based on the number of territories you own or the number of villages you own that you can kind of harvest from. Uh, and I think it goes down based on... Um, It'll go down every turn based on how large your army is. So it might start off at the beginning of the game or the beginning of the scenario at plus three. So every turn you'll gain plus three to the blood meter uh, up to, I think, a maximum of about 100. Um, and you you spend this blood to um, on the upkeep of your army. So the, lo- the larger your army is, the, uh, the fewer blood points you'll earn every turn. And sometimes it can even go into the negative. Um, uh, you can also play cards uh, before... Uh, getting into any battles, you can play cards that will increase your army uh, or allow you to get uh, to do more actions during a turn. Uh, this is all kind of on the, the the world map, I suppose, where you're actually capturing territories and moving your whole army from uh, from territory to territory. Um, you can you can buy new cards. You can buy relics to equip uh, to equip on your vampire lord that you're controlling. Um, and then uh, periodically you'll get into battles with enemies that you see kind of on the world map. Uh, you just get into a battle by uh, moving into the same space they are or if they move into your space. Um, the battles, uh, so the battles are look a little, they look kind of like some, some kind of like Fire Emblem. Uh, but again, Heroes of Might and Magic was also a good comparison. I think you've got uh, kind of a, a 10 by 10 grid, uh, give or take. Uh, you've, you'll have buildings, trees, uh, other obstructions on it. So you have to navigate your units uh, around that grid. Um, and you kind of just take turns uh, moving units, you know, forward, almost like on a chessboard and attacking enemy units. And uh, once you eliminate all the enemy units, uh, you, you emerge victorious. Um, the first chapter uh, was, uh, yeah, the first campaign uh, scenario was pretty easy. Uh, but the second one really ratcheted up the difficulty. So I think it's a game that you really want to learn all of its systems to get into. Um, it's uh, maybe more complicated than it seems. Uh, I, I don't play a ton of these kind of, uh, maybe what I would think of as a computer-based, turn-based uh, strategy game anymore. Uh, I play maybe simpler ones, something like Fire Emblem or um, Wargroove was another one I played, uh, uh, I guess, last year. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digging it. Uh, there, there are some minor gripes I have with it. I think when you get into the battle screen, I'm playing on handheld. Uh, sorry, I'm playing on Switch. Uh, and so when you get into a battle on the handheld mode, uh, the screen is... Uh, the, the font and the, the characters, everything is very, very tiny. It's hard to see what your movement radius is, or it's hard to position your characters so that you can flank uh, an enemy troop and do more damage to them. Uh, it's basically impossible to see the number... Uh, kind of, you can see a health meter above your troops, but the number of units or the, the number of health points you have remaining is uh, very much obscured when you're playing on handheld. It's probably better uh, playing on a TV or on a larger computer screen or something like that. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, David, I think you uh, may have gotten a code for this game as well, or you read a little bit about it. Um, you haven't played it yet or anything like that, right? 
No, but uh, I've been taking a look at it. It, it looks pretty neat. I, I can totally see how the text uh, would be a problem because it seems like there's a whole lot going on, um, like a lot of menus and then with yes. the cards and the small details. Uh, definitely looks like a game that was probably designed with uh, for PC in mind. Yes, and for sure. uh, and I know that a lot of uh, a lot of developers struggle with trying to. Uh, recreate that experience on the smaller screen like mm-hmm. the switch screen like because not only is it smaller but then it's you know the resolution is lower so the text that seems fine on a computer screen is just way too small to read on a on a switch so i i know mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times uh, that that can be a problem plus uh, in many cases you have to kind of create a new structure like a, a new input structure because you, without the point and click of the mouse now you're having to deal with the Joy-Con, which means adding in different schemes to to work mm-hmm. that out. But um, yeah, there's definitely like some neat. pointing. There's definitely some pointing and clicking going on with this game, but it's pretty fast. I I, I don't have a lot of complaints about the controls. Like I said, I've been playing mostly in handheld. Um, I should say to this point exclusively in handheld. I'm about uh, uh, five or six hours in. I, I suspect, and I'm only on the the third scenario of the campaign, so I suspect there's uh, quite a bit of uh, length or, or content here to get through. Um, there's, uh, I believe, there's also uh, some kind of campaign editor or a local skirmish mode you might be able to play uh, against a friend. I don't know if there's online or not, but uh, it seems like there is stuff outside of the campaign to do. Um, there may even be a DLC coming. I can't remember if I read something about that. I might be getting it wrong. I might be mistaking it for another game, but yeah, I, I just, I just wish visually it was easier to see, uh, what was going on or what you're doing. I think when you're outside of the battle, it's okay. Uh, when you're, when you're kind of playing cards to, uh, again, uh, to increase your blood level or to gain new items and stuff like that, it's fine. Uh, you can also play spells, um, in the battle. So your, your hero, your vampire Lord also has, uh, a mana pool and different spells that they get um or they can cast uh such as you know uh the, most of them just empower your units like maybe they give your unit lifesteal or they um uh, allow you to uh, uh increase your attack power for like a few turns or add a shield or something like that but you run out of mana pretty fast so if you don't have mana regeneration from something on the overworld or from one of the legacy perks um it's very easy to run out of mana quickly because uh, you you do want to be casting the card, especially during the uh, the tougher battles. Um, one one welcome feature I did want to point out is um, if your army is really overpowering the opponent uh, before I, or you just look kind of looking at the numbers. If you have many more troops uh, and the troops are stronger, you you kind of before you go into a battle, it kind of compares your numbers. It gives you like a rating, I guess, like maybe a, a rating of one thirty. Uh, I don't know what the scale is uh, compared to maybe the opponent's like a seventy or something. So you're almost two two to one against them in terms of strength. Uh, and it will allow you to play out the battle automatically, uh, and it, so you don't you don't actually see any of the combat happening. It just shows you what the result is. Uh, so that's kind of a welcome feature. Uh, and I, I like that kind of thing in RPGs. It reminds me of uh, something like a, a feature from Earthbound, which a game we're going to be talking about in a few weeks, uh, where if you're really, really strong in Earthbound, you can just walk up behind an enemy uh, and it'll the screen will flash in green and you don't actually have to get do the fight, but you'll still get the experience and the money from that. So I like it. That's an RPG mechanic I really like when you're super overpowered and the battle would be kind of futile just a waste of time. Uh, it just allows you to skip it pretty much. Um, one final um, concern, uh, and I don't know if this is going to get better, it might get worse. Uh, the loading times to get into a battle and get out are really, really uh, annoying. I think they're 
30 seconds plus to get uh, so the loading screen to, uh, as a battle is uh, i guess uh, just just about to begin and then when a battle wraps up and you're going back to the world map screen uh the the territory claiming screen uh it, yeah it's probably another 30 it might, might even be closer to 45 seconds I, I haven't timed it out yet but uh some annoying load times there so that's a that's a downer but uh I think there's a lot to do. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna put more time in. I am gonna have a review on uh, NWR at some point. Uh, I can't promise that'll be ready by the time the podcast drops uh, this weekend, but uh, hopefully soon. So stay tuned for that. I'll, I'll definitely tweet it out. And um, if uh, Vampire Wars sounds like a game you would be interested in, just from hearing me talk about it now, uh, yeah, you'll see the full review uh, uh, soon-ish. Man, well, talking about load times is a perfect segue into my first game of the evening, Uh-oh. which is uh, <laughs> Adam Adam RPG. So this is uh, one of the CRPGs that I've been playing. Uh, this one is uh, very heavily influenced by the the early CRPGs, uh, like the late 80s, early 90s. So this would be like Fallout, Wasteland, uh, the original one anyway, uh, Baldur's Gate. Like it's very, very much in that vein uh, of CRPG, the er- very early on stuff. And um, very much like Fallout, really. But um, in this case, the developer uh, or the, de- the development team is kind of spread out across the, the fo- former Soviet bloc. Like the, the developers come from like Latvia, Poland, Ukraine, Russia. Like they're all kind of spread out around that area. And so the interesting take on this one is that um, it, it's kind of your regular post-apocalyptic wasteland, you know, roaming, roaming what's left of the world. Um, but in this case, instead of roaming around America, uh, that, that like in a fallout, this one is actually roaming around the former Soviet Republic or the Soviet bloc. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not a huge map. It's, it's got a, a couple villages, uh, to explore a few different points of interest. Uh, but yeah, it's all kind of like, uh, in Russian, I guess, like Russian names. Um, so it's kind of, uh, seeing what happens on the, on the, the east side of the conflict, I guess you would say. Um, pretty impressive though like the the po- the amount of polish on this game was quite surprising for a C- for uh, an indie developer uh, i i thought um it was quite well done there there's some uh not overly long kind of cinematic scenes but just uh kind of tidbits uh, in between a few of the different um important uh, or early on kind of like when you're first starting out and and uh, a few of the different um finding important things so you kind of get like a, a few seconds of uh, cinematic, which is kind of neat. Um, the uh, so the way that it's so it kind of starts off like a, a regular CRPG where you get to create your own character. They've got tons of profiles uh, to pick from. You can choose uh, all the different uh, attributes. Uh, so it's it's all the things that you normally see like endurance and speed and intelligence, charisma, luck. You you can manipulate all those from the beginning, and then you've got about ten to twelve skills. So like assault weapons, uh, handguns, lock picking, bartering. Like you, you get to control all of those things. Um, and then they've got uh, about twelve perks that you could choose from, where like you get bonuses in one 
some extreme bonuses, but then some extreme weaknesses and others. So um, a lot of different ways to create a character, which is good. Uh, I always find in CRPGs, the, the trick seems to be is to specialize in something, uh, whether it's like speechcraft or, or strength, weapons, that sort of thing. It's always good. Um, most of these games, it, it, it doesn't pay to, to kind of balance the character out. You always want to be on one side of the coin or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, yeah, it just starts off. You, there's a, a neat tutorial area where, um, so the, the way it's kind of the story is played out is that you're a soldier in, in this, um, army that's, that's kind of formed after the, the nuclear war that's kind of destroyed the, the world. And, um, so the, your, your mission is to find uh, a general that was sent to basically the, the army just kind of goes around the area trying to find old, old army bunkers, uh, for supplies. And, and so there, uh, one of the generals has had went out to bunker, I believe it's 317 mm. that they kind of knew the location. So your, your mission is to find the bunker, find the general and figure out what happened. And uh, right off the bat, you get mugged by a, a group of a group of smugglers. So, it, like, so it's so there was a little tutorial area where you're in you're in the base, so you could kind of learn uh, how to how to lockpick, how to walk around and explore, and and how to uh, to fight and attack and that sort of thing. And then yeah, and then it then you leave the base, and then yeah, you're immediately attacked by by bandits. Mm-hmm. They take everything from you except a water canteen, and so you're just dropped off at the la- the closest village, and it's basically build your build yourself up from from nothing. So you're just uh, going around doing tasks, meeting people, trying to locate the bunker, trying to locate the general, and uh, uh, yeah, the thing I, I guess I would say on this one is like the the map area is not totally big, but I think what they did is that they they built it to scale like they they understood what they could handle and they just did it well because there's no it looks it looks good um the graphics are good the uh the gameplay is good the the, the controls uh, i mean like the crpgs are they're usually pretty detailed there's a lot going on so they the the, de- the the controls are uh they take a little bit to figure out um you kind of got to play around with them a bit mm. There's uh, mostly intuitive, except the only thing that that was hard to figure right away was um, there's a character that you can uh, join your party. And so you've got the the two characters and I could not for the life of me figure out how I was supposed to, how I could transfer items, weapons and that sort of thing between the two characters. And uh, what I ended up discovering was that you actually had to, in the menu screen, it shows the character and then you have to hit the R R button to get to the other character. So there's no way to actually transfer the items. Mm. So you have to put them um, technically on the ground okay. first. So, so you're like, you play as one character, you move the items to the ground and then the other character, then you switch to the other character and pick them up off the ground. Like you're not actually seeing this. This is all done, done in menu. So there's like a little spot on the right that says ground. Uh, but it was just a little counterintuitive, mm-hmm. like didn't make sense. Why do I have to put it on the ground first? Why can't I just like hit X to transfer or something? But uh, that seemed to be the only way to do it. But once I figured it out, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, the uh, yeah, they, I guess my complaint would be in, on the same as that there's a lot of loading screens mm-hmm. because um, there's like a world map and you kind of walk very slowly on the map. And whenever there's a point of interest or whenever there's like a random encounter, there's a loading screen and it takes you to, you know, a little area where you can walk around. 
um, and, and, and do the interactions. And then when you leave there, there's another loading screen. And so it's kind of loading screen and loading screen. They're not overly long. They're probably about 20 seconds or so, but, uh, noticeable if, mm-hmm. especially in like the smaller encounters where you're kind of just walking on the map and it's like, Oh, a bandit's found you. And it's like, okay. So, you know, you fight the bandits, maybe it takes a couple minutes and then you're back into the loading screen and then back on the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, it it um, sounds like an interesting but, game. Like I, from your description of it, I I'm more interested in starting it. I got a code for it as well. I haven't booted it up yet. Just been really busy. Um, but I, I guess w- what what's funny to me is that I feel like I don't know if it was on Twitter or on Slack, uh, but you'd mentioned like really wanting to get into CRPGs or play. You want to start playing a bunch of CRPGs, and then they all just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, now, now you've got this collection of CRPGs to play, uh, and yeah. you're going to be talking about another one in a few minutes. But um, I I just thought that was kind of funny that the the genre that you were looking forward to getting back into uh seemed to be very populated at the time when you when you had time for it so yeah that was just funny to me yep, yep. and um uh, yeah i'll just close uh, off with this game with saying uh so i i'm pretty close to the end now and uh it's been pretty fun it kind of hits all the notes for crpgs that i that i enjoy like exploring and finding loot and building up the characters uh selling stuff it, it does all the things that you ex- would expect from from a crpg uh, I guess the only thing is that that uh, I had a a little bit of uh, wish was different was that it really is based on the older CRPGs, so like the 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 original Fallout's, the original Wastelands, kind of the Baldur's Gate, um, in the in the sense that everything it starts off pretty slowly. Uh, one of the things with like combat that I was joking around with is that uh, especially early on, it, it you seem to miss attacks more than you actually hit mm, yes. uh it, it shows like there's different attacks you can do like you can just do uh like it works with um the nut like action points so you get so many action points so you you can just do wild wild swings which are less action points or you can do aim swings and you can actually see the percentage that that it's likely to hit mm-hmm. uh but I don't believe that that's the real percentage because you, you get into a situation where it says like 60 or 70 percent and I'll still manage to miss three or four times in a row, which seems like a, a very statistical anomaly. But it kept happening off quite often. Um, so it's it's uh, uh, yeah, it's just one of those ones where it's it, it takes a little bit. It's a little bit slow at the beginning. So uh, if you're kind of more impatient with it, it might be something you bounce off of if early on but if you stick with it it does does uh, heat up as as things go on and you, and you get more uh inventory and that sort of thing so uh it, it pays to stick with it but it's definitely uh, a slower experience than some of the more modern crpgs these days yeah so uh, the, what you're describing the idea of you know having a, a fairly high a, a percentage above 50 and continuing to miss uh i haven't played a lot of xcom but i think there's xcom related memes out there about yeah that very same thing of like oh 99 chance to miss you know and of course it misses every time something like that you know and we we games like that i think that happens in a game like fire emblem 2 where the, the percentage can be pretty high and he can still miss and uh <laughs> it, can, it can be frustrating but uh you know if for anyone who's ever played blackjack or other other c- casino games i think you're you know, you you've you've seen uh you know streaks of bad luck happen and uh crbgs can just be a uh like playing a slot machine sometimes i guess mm-hmm. yeah um just uh so yeah that, that's cool i'm glad you i'm glad you actually added those to the podcast now i'm a little bit more um uh 
interested in Atom RPG, and at least I know kind of what to expect uh, going into it. Uh, we've got uh, Jules reviewing it for NWR, and um, uh, he seems to be, uh, I think, c- kind of has some of the same thoughts that you did about the game. Um, but for, for my next one, uh, just a, I guess the Talk Nintendo podcast would call it a quick bite, um, and it's certainly a quick bite of a game. Uh, and this is my, my non-RPG, because we'll get it out of the way quickly. Guangdong uh, is a kind of a driving simulator slash narrative game. I uh, just published the review on NWR uh, this uh, afternoon. Uh, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Um, it's a, kind of a tale of two games, I guess. Uh, it's got a, the, the driving component. Uh, it really sucks, actually. Um, it's just not fun. It's very slow. Uh, there's not really any skill involved. Um, the so basically you you're driving between cities uh, trying to visit relatives uh, family relatives and invite them to a, a celebratory dinner that's happening um, I, I think it, it, the dinner is to kind of to celebrate a, a wedding or a marriage that's going to be happening soon um, you play as uh, I think the main character's name is Sunny uh, she has inherited the family restaurant and so you're going to kind of uh, you're going around to different cities in China to invite your relatives to this celebratory dinner, but also to kind of uh, talk to them about the uh, the acquisition of the family business uh, uh, to the main character and you know what what she's going to do with it. Um, yeah, so the the drive between the different cities is just it, it's not. Uh, it's not very engaging. Like you don't, you don't make a lot of turns. You're kind of just driving straight. Uh, occasionally, you'll have to stop and fill up the gas tank or fill up the oil tank or replace a tire. Uh, but there's just not a lot of action to it. Um, the the story part's actually really good. So when you do get to a city and you have uh, interactions with the different family members, uh, there's a lot of dialogue trees. There's some choices that you make. Uh, the choices can have consequences, uh, such that um, the people you invite might not accept your invitation to the dinner because you um, you lied to them or you did something dishonest or you. You kind of you gave an answer uh you you just kind of did something untoward uh and so they're they're kind of miffed or they're kind of they're they're or they, they might even reconcile with you but just not want to go to the dinner uh uh, based on uh, based on the responses that you gave, so um, yeah, the the family interactions are quite good. Uh, it's just the the getting to them. Uh, the what I really would call the meat of the game uh, is the driving. The driving is not very good. So uh, if you're into narrative games, it might be one to give a look to. Uh, we don't see a lot of them set in China, so that's kind of a unique thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a game where you the maybe the more enjoyable parts are few and far between, uh, and you're you're stuck just kind of yeah doing the a boring driving simulator uh, experience that isn't all that uh, isn't all that enticing. So, uh, Road to Guangdong, uh, check out my review for a little bit more detail on NWR, but um, not one I would uh, readily recommend to anybody. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Wheels of Orlaria. Mm. That was uh, I think it was a couple years ago now that uh, that I played that one and. It was kind of along the same thing where it was like touted as, you know, driving the uh, the roads of like the Italian coast. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, you know, a bit of a story where depending on how you interact with the characters, there's different endings or diff- even different people to meet depending on the routes that you take and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it was just it didn't uh, it kind of had the same thing where like the driving was kind of inconsequential <laughs> where mm. You kind of thought there'd be more to it, but it was just more or less, you know, following a path and and not much more of it to that. And then 
Um, the story, the story wasn't that great either. And it was, and even the, the choices, like they were pretty, uh, you know, only two, like they're very fork of the road type choices. Yeah. Um, so it's, so you're kind of following a pretty narrow path just to kind of see the different stories. And they were, they were a little odd too. So, uh, kind of, kind of sounds along the same, kind of the same, uh, avenue, I guess, with the, with the, with the road to Guanlong, I guess it was. Guangdong. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I just took a couple of looks at, uh, um, the game you were mentioning. Uh, <laughs> we can't, you're not doing very well with our names here. Uh, wheels, uh, wheels of Aurelia. Um, yeah, yeah it lo- looks very similar. I think, uh, that one that you played, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like the conversation's happening while you're driving. Like you don't necessarily stop anywhere and have an extended yeah. narrative section. Yeah. So this one, like the driving, that there's not, there's really nothing to it. There's no, your passenger, uh, I guess, is the, uh, I think it's your aunt. Uh, she talks to you a little bit, but um, there's not really anything other than that. And even that, that part of the dialogue is not very interesting. So it's definitely the, <laughs> the family interactions where you actually get to your destination and talk to them is a really good part. But uh, getting there just, yeah, it's not very fun. So yeah, yeah. buyer beware. Yep. Uh, what's next for you, David? On onto the next CRPG. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I'll just briefly say um, I have started Disco Elysium uh, on on my PC. Uh, that that game is much different than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's a it is a CRPG, but it's almost uh, bordering on uh, kind of a point and click adventure to a certain degree, mm-hmm. like early on at least. Um, pretty neat, but it's pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> Not exactly. Kind of throws you into the mix real quick, but, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to playing that one and talking about it later, but I just thought I'd mention, uh, with this big CRPG kick. So that's the other one I'm playing on, but the one I'm deeply into right now, uh, it's kind of my passion right now is Wasteland 3. So I've been waiting for this one for a while. I uh, played Wasteland 2 on the Switch uh, last year, I believe it was, or maybe the year I think year you thought ta- we talked about it at least once on the podcast as well, I believe. Yeah, and I really loved Wasteland 2. Um, e- even though on the Switch, I I definitely, like, it's definitely better on PC. The, the ability to use the mouse just makes life so much easier. Like, you can do things quicker. It's just easier to get through everything. Um, but yeah, Wasteland 3 just continues the story of the Desert Rangers, so... Uh, right now, the the way the game begins is that um, a squad of uh, desert rangers are sent up to Colorado because uh, the resources are running out in Arizona. Like the games are usually set in Arizona, 
I believe part of the reason for this is just to kind of give it a new, it's always like Wasteland's kind of been in like the desert kind of setting. And so by sending them to Colorado to, to get supplies, uh, it, it puts them in a snow setting now. So it kind of just changes up the, the, the landscape uh, to give a kind of a fresh perspective, I guess. But yeah, so the, the game starts off with uh, the Desert Rangers uh, heading to Colorado to meet with uh, a gentleman called the Patriarch. And uh, so this this kind of he's kind of like a warlord in Colorado and he's promised the Desert Rangers uh, supplies to uh, to keep them alive down in Arizona. And uh, the trade off is that they have to head up to Colorado uh, to take care of some uh, enemies of the Patriarch um, up in Colorado. So they they've sent a, a platoon of uh, 50 soldiers to head up there. But uh, on their way into Colorado, they get jumped by the Patriarch's enemies and, and the majority of them die. <laughs> There's actually only two remaining uh, by the time the uh, the ambush is done. So uh, again, the, with the CRPGs, the, these two uh, people are ones that you've created. Uh, there, there's some default ones that you can kind of choose from where they kind of set up relationships. Like, uh, you know, there's a, a uh, I think it's like a mother and daughter team or or uh, at least like a parent sibling sort of relationship. There's a romantic couple. The uh, not a hundred percent sure if those relationships end up uh, affecting anything in the game because I ended up just uh, choosing like making my own because there there is an option just to make your own. Um, I wanted to have uh, one person the the clear leader and then one person kind of my tech guru. Uh, so I I created two characters of of my own design and. Um, having a blast right now. So the uh, it starts off with the, you have to fight your way out of that ambush, and then the the patriarch sets you up in. Um, they give you an abandoned headquarters. Uh, it's kind of like an old NATO building. So you you have you're given the, it's just the two of, basically the two left. You're dropped off at the base, and you just kind of build yourself up from nothing. So you head off into uh, Colorado, and you have to find uh, you have to find the uh, yeah, a doctor to work at the base, uh, weapons, uh, kind of like an arms dealer, I guess, uh, cook, uh, someone to run your brig, and uh, there's just a ton of stuff to do. It's kind of, uh, if you played Wasteland before or, or something like it, it's 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 not doing anything overly new <laughs> in the sense of uh, it's kind of just more the same, but it's more the, the stuff that I, like, I'm enjoying it, having a good time with it. Um, the the kind of whole premise of the game is that the... Uh, the the enemies that the Patriarch had brought you up to fight are actually his own children that are kind of trying to usurp his power in Colorado. Um, so you kind of have to decide. Uh, there's a bunch of different factions uh, in the game. You can side with some. You can fight others. Uh, I just finished uh, wiping out an entire faction um, called the Gippers. And it's basically uh, a bunch of like Ronald Reagan worshippers. And um, so they have... Uh, the reason they got into my way is that there's so their storyline is that there's a, a ro robot commune where a bunch of robots are kind of hiding out, but it's near where the Gippers are, and um, there's the, the Gippers have this uh, AI that's uh, in inside their the building that they're currently housed in, and it's like a the AI thinks it's Ronald Reagan, <laughs> so it's like it's like the basically like the the spirit of ronald reagan is living in this building and like he controls all these reagan statues that are on the premises that like shoot laser beams um so the robot commune wanted me to uh basically to take 
the the robot AI and like free them free it from from the the confines of the Gippers. So, um, so I ended up siding with it, uh, but the Gippers got mad that I took away their god, <laughs> Ronald Reagan, <laughs> and so I had to end up killing them all. <laughs> so it was uh, again, it's kind of like stuff that I enjoy the way I like to play the video games, uh, taking out an entire faction, but. Um, yeah, all's well that ends well for you, right? Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> it's not all bloods and guts. So I, I did side with yeah. a few different people. So uh, I, I did regret t- uh, completely destroying the uh, the Gippers, though, because they uh, later on in the a few hours later, I came across a quest where um, I actually needed them and needed their help. And because I had wiped yeah. them out, uh, I could no longer do this particular quest, which I was kind of disappointed in. Um, but I mean, that's kind of par for the course with these types of games. Like there's so many, they're very replayable in the sense that like you can play them a few times and have completely different mm-hmm. experiences because, uh, there, there's a lot of different situations that you put into where depending on how you react, like it's going to change the course of the game. Uh, especially with like wasteland Two or wasteland, they have kind of this watershed moment where, uh, they they give you two competing quests and you basically you have to choose between one or the other. Like once you've done one, the other is taken away. Um, in this case, it was uh, there. I could either help the the this one homestead where these people are being held hostage, or I could go help this convoy um, that's being attacked by bandits that's trying to deliver supplies to the city. So I mean no right or wrong choice like both both are innocents that need help uh, i ended up going with the uh, convoy because they had supplies that uh, i that the they had like power armor that i was hoping to use so i figured ah, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take the selfish route this time around and um and obviously what ended up happening was that the the, the homestead where the family was being held hostage ended up being uh, massacred uh, over the radio to to just to, to let you know uh, the choice that you made <laughs> mattered. Um, mm. But yeah, lots of choices like that. Lots of, there's tons of in- inventory management, uh, tons of weapons, the the usual shortage of ammo, the usual um, trading off of different things. Uh, like I'm up to six characters in my party now. And so you're, you're always juggling, like I, you never want one more than a one or two characters to use one type of ammo because it can go away so quickly. So, uh, right. you know, you, you need like one sniper and one brute force uh, fighter and, you know, one with assault weapons, one with, I got one guy with a flamethrower. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, I'm having a blast with this game. Uh, I know it's, it's, I've been kind of looking at the reviews and it seems to be a little split on, you know, people who like it or not. I know it, it's been reviewed highly by a few different outlets, but then a few kind of just, I don't know if it's that, um, because it's not really deviating from the formula all that much, they're just finding it boring, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I know uh, Kat Bailey actually had an article recently where it's she had said uh, hope, had hoped to like it, but just doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, luckily, I'm I'm not experiencing that myself. I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit, and uh, I mean, one of the added benefits too is that it's part of the Xbox Game Pass. So uh, I ended up paying I was just a, ask, a buck for I, it. I thought that I thought that's where you were playing it. And I yep. mean, you, I mean, we're we're going to talk about this more during last call. But man, Game Pass just continues to be this uh, incredible value. And yeah, look how much look how much enjoyment you're getting out of this game that you're 
essentially renting for for next to nothing, right? Yep. Like it's it's really incredible. Uh, you mentioned the kind of decision making that happens in the game, and where you actually get to find out the um, the uh, consequence of not choosing one of the options. And I think that that you you mentioned those kind of things uh, when talking about Wasteland too. And I think that's just a I think that's what makes a game like this so compelling. Like it might not even be the minute to minute gameplay that would really interest me, but the moments when you get to those big decisions and you get to, you know, pursue a quest, but also learn what happens as a result of not pursuing a quest. Uh, I think that's just really, really, really cool stuff. So like, I, again, I, I, I'm hoping that, you know, when we finally get the next Dragon Age or the next Mass Effect, that they do things like that, you know, where they do kind of give you choices to make, where you do find out the result of not doing something. I think it's just, that's one of the really cool things about RPGs is when you you feel like your choices matter and you have agency in the lives of other people, the ones you choose to help and the ones you choose to ignore, so... Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'm glad you're having a good time with it, and just just sounds like another advertisement for Game Pass to me. Yeah, like it's uh, I I'm wouldn't call myself an Xbox booster, but uh, I definitely like there's value in this Game Pass. Uh, playing this for a dollar mm-hmm. is uh, is well worth it, and I mean, really, this is a game like up here. It's you know eighty bucks plus tax, so that's almost that, that's a ninety dollars I I would have been willing to drop, and uh, and that's. Like, I'm playing this on my PC, and the the Xbox Game Pass on PC is actually cheaper than the the Xbox uh, on like the actual Xbox Game Pass, mm-hmm. the Ultimate Pass or whatever they call, it, um, because it's sixteen dollars normally for the Ultimate Pass, but uh, the the PC version is actually only seven dollars a month. So technically, like I could have Game Pass for an entire year and still have not spent as much money uh, had I just bought the game outright on like ps4 or what or pc just on its own mm-hmm. so um yeah it's definitely uh the game pass like you said well it's going to be part of the last call but uh I- i'm definitely getting my money's worth uh, and more <laughs> from wasteland 3 on the pc mm-hmm. xbox game pass right on yeah yeah i, I, I don't want to say any more about that we will get there uh just one more game to wrap up before we uh, before we do get to that last call uh it's another game i played for review called uh, minoria Uh, Minoria is a Metroidvania. It does have some RPG elements, though. Um, it is a kind of a spiritual successor to a game called Momodora. Uh, it has Momodora has a subtitle. I don't remember it though. Um, I think that came out uh, maybe last year or a couple years ago. Um, Minoria is a game uh, about uh, two. Uh, sisters of, of a cathedral uh, who are kind of trying to fend off or retake the cathedral from witches who have taken it over. Um, so there's a lot of kind of like, uh, you know, as befitting and maybe Metroidvania, a lot of a lot of darkness, a lot of light, like kind of light and dark imagery, um, a lot of kind of uh, feelings of isolation and claustrophobia. It does a good job of that. Uh, it's got an action combat uh, system with a pair. There's a parry ability as well. Um, combat's pretty fun and fluid. 
Um, you do gain experience from defeating enemies, uh, but the level ups, one of the, my gripes with the game is that the level ups are very minor. Like, um, for example, let's say you start off with 300 HP uh, at level one. Uh, at level two, your HP would go up to 302. So you'd only gain, uh, what is that, David? Help me with the math. Is it two, two thirds of a percentage uh, <laughs> added to your health? Uh, at a level up, right? It's, it's not very much. Yeah. So um, the the feeling of leveling up is kind of muted. So yeah, there's really no sense in grinding. You will you'll level up throughout the game, and you will get you know gradually stronger and and have more health and do more damage and stuff. But uh, you never really feel like you're getting more powerful progressively it kind of just happens it's just very unnoticeable i suppose and uh so that's maybe a weaker uh, element of the game uh the combat's fun uh it's pretty tight i think it's about you know in the five to eight hour range so uh if you're into metroidvanias and you played momodora you might get into this one too um uh i've got a, a review is posting tomorrow so that's uh we're recording on wednesday the 9th uh, so the review will be up as of the 10th so you'll be able to check that out after the podcast drops um i'm believe i gave it a seven uh yeah it's pretty decent it's got a kind of a new game plus after you beat the game uh the boss fights are fun uh enemies hit like a truck in this game like you you could you could lose half your health uh, just by getting hit by a single enemy attack so it reminded me a little bit of dark souls in that way um the the look and the feels also a little bit like hollow knight um it's more of a paper craft style as opposed to a cartoon one though um, you, you find keys, you get a couple different abilities that help you backtrack and reach new areas. Um, although the, the map, the map screen is, uh, okay. It's not bad. Uh, definitely not. I wouldn't call it confusing in any way. Uh, just could use a little bit more information to it, I guess, but it could be a little bit more specific. Um, what else was going to mention? Oh, uh, one of the main, uh, uh, features of the game is this incense system and they kind of work like your spells. So you have three active incenses that you can use, uh, like a healing spell, uh, a lightning bolt, uh, just a standard projectile, uh, and then two passive, uh, incenses as well. Uh, these th- these can grant health regeneration or bonus armor, uh, things like that. Um, you want to kind of look around for treasures or, or maybe look carefully, go back to old areas with new uh, new abilities to find these incenses because uh, the, the healing one in particular is incredibly uh, useful uh, considering how much damage you take. Um, you want to you want to find new charges for the healing ability in addition to just different incenses uh, that kind of complement your play style. Um, the story is kind of uh, just there. It's fine. Um, but I think the gameplay is pretty solid. Uh, and if you're looking for a you know, kind of a newer Metroidvania and you, you maybe check out some screenshots, you like the art style. I think it's a pretty decent game. Um, it's pretty brisk. Uh, I wouldn't call it a game with a lot of filler, uh, but it, it is fun while it lasts. Just be prepared for a little bit of a uh, maybe a steep challenge until you learn the parry system or uh, you figure out you know uh, timing on attacks and dodge rolling and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's got elements of Dark Souls and Hollow Knight, and if you've played Momodoro, it's very similar to that. So um, I, I would overall recommend it, but just uh, it's um, it's not the best Metroidvania I've played, I guess, but yeah. it's, it's fine. It's good. I was just looking at it. It kind of reminds me visually a bit of Bloodstained uh, a little bit. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, I did reference that in my review as well. Um, yeah, the it, I mean, the gothic setting, the, uh, the fact that you're in a cathedral, and then some of the outdoor areas... It, it does v- remind very much of Bloodstained. But not as good, I'm guessing. 
No, I mean, I really liked Bloodstained. Even I didn't. The performance issues on Switch for Bloodstained, where, where I reviewed it, didn't bother me as much as they bothered some people. And I think some of those have been patched. But uh, Bloodstained is mu- it's much longer. It's much more in depth uh, than a game like uh, Minoria. Um, Minoria is kind of maybe a quicker playthrough, uh, whereas I think there's just tons of stuff to go back to and. With uh, Bloodstained, I think after the because it was a part of a Kickstarter, they added like a, maybe a boss mode rush and some other uh, content as well after the game came out. So uh, th- there's just a lot more to it. So Minoria is much more of a bite-sized version. Okay. Oh, yeah, it looks uh, interesting, and we'll be sure to check that out, the review out on Nintendo World Report. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's posting tomorrow. There will be a video review. Matt Zawadniak helped me out with that. Um, but uh, yeah, check it out. See if, you, see if it's up your alley. And it's not a bad game. Well, I guess that brings us to the last call of the evening, and uh, this this one's uh, it, it came about actually because of the Xbox leak. And uh, now that we mm-hmm. we uh, we just recently had an episode where we talked about what we were uh, expecting to see from the next generation of consoles and what we're hoping to see, and now we actually have some concrete information finally, <laughs> two months before release. Uh, at least from Xbox perspective, so we've learned that there's the two consoles. So uh, I guess the the last call for the evening is uh, based on the new information, which we'll get into here. Uh, has our have our minds changed on or, or plans changed on you know how we're going to be tackling the uh, the new consoles? Because the I would say that the introduction of the smaller version or the the slim or whatever they want to call it, the Xbox Series S. I, I don't know, like, there's a few things about the console that, that kind of have some red flags on it, but uh, as a value proposition, uh, to have a next-generation console at $299, uh, it's pretty intriguing offer, especially when you look at the financing options that include the Game Pass. Uh, when you're looking at getting a next-gen console for, like, 30 bucks a month, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to to get into here. I I, I was really hopeful we'd have a chance to revisit this after the the news broke. So uh, we'll probably do the same when PS5 uh, details come out, which hopefully is uh, should be soon. Uh, if it's not soon, they're going to get leaked. So Sony, you better get on that. You know, that's what happened here. Uh, apparently, the, these Xbox details, Phil Spencer said on Twitter that they were going to announce the console, uh, the Xbox Series S, and uh, the pricing and all the details next week. So they they were close, but uh, yeah, the the leakers went out with this one. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not interested in the Xbox Series S, but I think it is a very interesting console. Uh, I, I don't want to own it personally, but I, there, there are, pe- there are a lot of people that are going to buy this, I think. I think they've, they've kind of divided the, uh, budget console from the performance one very appropriately. Uh, I think the pricing is good for both, actually. $299 for the Series S, uh, $499 for the Series X, uh, in the U.S., in U.S. dollars, um, the, you mentioned a payment plan. Uh, I believe it's $25 a month for the Series S, uh, and that includes Game Pass Ultimate. So that's Game Pass on your Xbox, on your PC. Uh, Game Pass just got EA Play added to it. So older sports titles, uh, some of the Star Wars games, some other smaller uh, titles from EA will be part of Game Pass now. I mean, Game Pass just keeps getting better and better and better, and now it's part of the financing for your console. It seems like, man, if you were going to buy a console 
buy buy a Series S or X. Why you and you didn't already have Game Pass or something? Even if you do, I think it stacks uh, up to twelve months. I was reading. Uh, why would you not do the finance thing? It, it seems like you're you're almost say I think you save money on the console by paying in installments. And mm-hmm. that that's almost the opposite of how it normally works, right? Normally, you know, maybe you get charged interest or you you pay some kind of premium to be able to uh, finance it gra- over time, right? Over a two-year period with both of these. But uh, it, maybe we can do some quick math here. Uh, $25 a month times 24 months is $500? No. Yes. David, help me out here. You're yep. the, you're the 25 you're the math times, well, $600, 25 times 24, okay, $600. $600. Yeah. So, so the con- so the console itself is two nine nine. So that leaves $300. Uh, and game pass ultimate, you said is $16. I, yeah, I believe, well, it's probably 15 in the U S cause I think it's okay, 16 so in Canada. Yeah. So let's say, so 15, so 15 times 24, that's another, uh, Three sixty, I think. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, saving a few bucks a month, basically. So, so, you, so you say a bit, but I mean, over the over the twenty four month period, you save sixty dollars over buying those two things uh, all at once or or separately, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it, it's just funny to me that you you can save money by paying for something gradually. It just, I think they've really hit gold with this idea. You know, um, they're getting so many more people in the Xbox uh, uh, Game Pass ecosystem. They keep making that a better value proposition. And then you buy the, you're getting the console on top and only paying $25 a month for it. Seems like a no brainer. You know, people, uh, I was listening to, uh, I think it was uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily this morning. They were talking, or uh, listening to their podcast, and they were talking about. Uh, you know, people don't have a lot of disposable income this year. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, people are going to be looking for bargains over the holidays, especially in November. Uh, you know, Black Friday shopping, the idea that you won't have to drop three or $500 on a console right up front. Uh, you can you can buy gifts for people and finance them for $25. Uh, I think the Xbox Series X is $35 a month. Uh, obviously, because the console is a little bit more expensive, but both seem like really good uh, value plays. Uh, I think they're going to do really well. Um, pre-orders open on the 22nd of this month, so that's pretty soon. I'm expecting Sony to probably announce details of PS5 before that. Uh, it would be a mistake otherwise, but I'm 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 inching closer to an Xbox purchase on or around the launch of the the next gen consoles it would be a series x i think i might go with that financing offer just because it's i would get game pass anyways it would probably just be a game pass machine for me i can't imagine maybe buying a lot of physical titles maybe some of them like i i would love to play cyberpunk i'd love to play um uh, the new assassin's creed valhalla the new watchdogs games I, i would like to play if there are series x versions of those games I would like to play them the best way possible. I, th- I think those are going to be, you know, the, obviously the big games of the holiday. Nintendo doesn't have a lot coming out that I'm interested in. Uh, we know that Hyrule Warriors uh, is going to be, um, sorry, Breath of the Wild. What the hell is the is it Hyrule? It's, what the hell is the name I of that think game? It's, it's Hyrule Warriors, like Age of something. Age of Calamity. It, it yeah. is Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, but yeah, so said obviously set in kind of the Breath of the Wild world, but uh, but set in the past. Um, I'm not really interested in that. That seems to be Nintendo's November game. I don't know if they're going to have a December one. Bravely Default's probably going to get pushed back. Mm-hmm. So it might be a good two month period, November December, where I'm not playing a ton of stuff on Switch. Maybe I can just really get stuck into. Uh, these third-party games on Xbox, you know, and uh, I don't know that that's where I'm at, David. What are you What are you thinking? Uh, I don't know if it's moved. Like it, it, 
I think it's very smart what they've done. Uh, I don't know if for me personally it's moved the needle, just because th- there's a lot of it has to do more with games for me. Like there's so many Japanese mm-hmm. developers that only um, put out, develop for PlayStation, or you know, it, it it'll come out on PlayStation and Xbox will be an afterthought years later. So. Yeah. It, it's hard to, like, I, I still got my eye on the PlayStation, but I definitely have to give them credit. I think it's very smart the way they've set up the Series S to compete with the digital-only version of the PlayStation 5, because if the play, like if the PlayStation 5, like, if the, the only difference between the two versions is that one is discless and one is not, then the assumingly the S is going to probably be about $100 cheaper than the digital version. So Xbox has this this cheaper version out there that people can get into the the next gen games because obviously there's going to be games that will only run on next gen consoles at some point, uh, maybe not out of the gate, but at least uh, down the road. And this is a cheap option to to get them in there. So for the people who uh, I I noticed on Twitter, there's a lot of people who don't really care that like between 1080 and 4k it's that that's just not uh, a priority for them so you get this cheaper console and you and you play the same games um i'm a, i'm a little curious on how this is going to work later in the life cycle of the consoles like because it does seem to be a significant downgrade between the 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 series x and the series s uh, are we going to get into a situation where one console can run, st- like run the newest Xbox game where the other can't? Like, are we going to have the newest Fable come out and, and all of a sudden it's like, well, it, it technically runs on the S, but it, you know, there's a significant downgrade in quality or something like that, or all of a sudden you get some new like Assassin's Creed and it doesn't work properly or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be a concern of mine down the road. Um, the other the other flags that I had for the S is that the like the next gen games are going to probably be 100 plus gigabytes, uh, and now you you've got a, a 512 uh, hard drive on there, which you, you're probably going to lose 30 or 40 gigabytes right off the bat for like the operating system. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you've lost it there. Like I'm thinking like best case or maybe not best case, but the likelihood is if you're playing some of these bigger games you're probably only going to be able to get three three to five games max probably on this console before you have to start deleting things and replacing them. Like, I, at any given time, you'll probably only have that. Um, might not be an, an issue for most people, like, especially if you have Game Pass and you're kind of just going through a bunch of games. Like, why, I guess, you know, if you've got three or four games on the go, what, maybe you don't mind deleting and reinstalling, but I just know so for does me game it's a pain. Pass, does Game Pass install the game or does it just stream it? It installs the game. So, like, okay, for example, so you would need that space to get the games from Game Pass then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, so that that's one thing I was thinking about. Like, oh, maybe uh, if Game Pass were streaming, you wouldn't need that much hard drive space. I think one of the problems, uh, in addition to that lack of space, is that I believe it's using proprietary hard drives, like yeah. external hard drives or additional hard drives. So, that those could be expensive. I mean, we already saw what happened with the Vita, right? Proprietary memory cards meant that Sony could charge whatever price they wanted. And so uh, that became a bit of a problem. The prices were inflated for those and uh, the file, you know, the, the sizes obviously weren't that large. So you could easily fill up your Vita hard drive or your Vita memory card very quickly. Um, I I think, uh, so you, you mentioned maybe games running, you know, 
running on one of the two consoles and not the other one. I can't imagine they would do that. I think they're going for simplicity here. Whereas the Xbox One, you had the original console, the bigger one. Then you had an Xbox One Slim, I think. Then you had the Xbox One S. Uh, I don't know if those are the same. Then you had the Xbox One X. And then you had the Xbox One SAD, which was the all-digital one. <laughs> you, you had so many different SKUs by the end of its life cycle. Not that they were all being released, but just that people could own maybe five different SKUs. Yeah. I think they're going to stick. I think they're going to stick with the two here. For most, if not the whole, whatever the the generate, however long the generation lasts, um, I think that it's just going to be a matter of if you want 4K, if you want a little bit better performance, you you go Series X. If you if you're okay with 1080p, uh, the the lack of a disk drive, maybe the fact that you would need to buy an external hard drive at some point, uh, then you go with the Series S, and it just starts off as the more budget friendly console for people that don't want to spend a lot of money right out the gate. But you're not going to do a two year installment plan kind of thing and then say after a year or two years oh yeah this doesn't really run on the series s like i, I think yeah. that'd be really <laughs> that would that would destroy all the goodwill that they've established and think about this the xbox's whole mo right now is getting people into an ecosystem right where games on game pass run everywhere you play it on pc you play it on x cloud you play it on series s you play it on series x it wouldn't make sense to start alienating those avenues. I think their whole agenda going forward is going to be keeping people playing games on Game Pass wherever. And so it's not going to be a matter of you can do it here, you can't do it there. It's going to be what do you want out of that game experience? Do you want portability? Okay, xCloud. Do you want just have everything in one place? Okay, play it on PC. Uh, do you want to maybe play it on your smaller? Apparently, the Series S is going to be the smallest Xbox. That's pretty cool. Like mm-hmm. I, I think the I'm not crazy about the design. It might grow on me, but I love the fact that it's small. Like it, it makes me think of something like the GameCube, you know, which was you could easily pick up that pick up that console and bring it to someone's house if you wanted to. Uh, maybe the Series S is kind of like that. Like you can kind of it's kind of a portable, a, a sort of a portable Xbox that you bring you bring around different places. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to be disconnecting my Series X, uh, the more expensive version, the heavier version, presumably, and bringing that everywhere. But if it's just going to sit in one place, and I, I'm really I'm dedicated to 4K, I've got a nice TV, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reap all the benefits of the strongest console, the most powerful console that they're making. Okay, Series X, let's go. That 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 I, I'm every every day I inch closer to that decision, right? I, I sent you a picture in Slack of some of the trade-in promotions that are happening at EB Games. They're they're offering extra credit for uh, your old PlayStation 4s, your old Xbox consoles. I mean, I haven't hooked up my Xbox console in probably two years, right? Like, I just haven't been using it. So if I can put that towards a Series X where maybe I'm going to get Game Pass, I'm going to try all these games for the first time, uh, I'm, I'm enticed by that. Like, I... I'm going to get a PS5 eventually because I, I know that I, I want that for the exclusives. But maybe Game Pass is just going to be the way that I play most of my next-gen games and then PlayStation 5 just becomes my exclusive console or my console for exclusives. That's kind of where I'm at right now, but we'll we'll see what Sony does with pricing. I, I, Sony's launch lineup is all is what I'm all about. I need to know what games are coming. For for Game Pass or for Microsoft, I don't care. Like Halo got delayed. That's really all really, I really cared about. I'm still I'm still very excited for Halo when it comes next year, um, but I, if I got an Xbox, I would just be using it for Game Pass. PS5, I could get a PS5 at launch for the third party, but I wouldn't do that. I would do it if the right exclusives were there. 
So again, we're going to talk about this soon, but you know, show me, show me Demon Souls. <laughs> I know I sound like a broken record. That's all I care about right now. Show me Demon Souls. I don't care about Ratchet. I don't really Spider Man. I'd probably get it, but yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things where it, it's there's never there's never the golden option. There's never the the option mm. that does it all. There's always the trade offs, uh, and I guess you know because Microsoft took it in the chin this this current this generation of consoles were you know it's it, we're reaping the benefits because now they've got to mm-hmm. they've got to offer something better to catch yeah. up uh so i it really is just to the benefit of everyone uh, i'll be curious if if it is successful uh how i guess uh, you know netflix keeps on trucking so i guess it's hard to say like because I kind of look at Game Pass and think, like, how how is this going to sustain itself? Like, it, it must rely on a s- certain amount of people that are kind of in the system. Because when you when you've got all these games that they're like, you know, Wasteland Three was developed in house and has been made available in, in Game Pass, and then you've got uh, like Outer Worlds, the same thing. That you've got all mm-hmm. these uh, developers that are making games for Xbox that, that they're sticking in Game Pass. But then on top of that, they're also paying like indie developers to have their game in there. And then uh, uh, you've got like the Yakuza series that's in Game Pass. And I think there's mm-hmm. the Square, like the old Final Fantasies, in there. Like that's got to cost Xbox money because obviously, you know, there's Square and Sega would not be you know getting money from purchases. So obviously, there's some mm-hmm. kind of sales arrangement there it's like i'm curious how long how long will it last like is is xbox uh you know are they are they breaking even on this deal with with the deals with the develop developers are they lose losing a bit of money to kind of get everyone in the ecosystem in the hopes of making money elsewhere um gonna be interesting to see the longevity of it but certainly like you said I think things are pretty set in stone for the for the next two years at the very least because of these financing mm-hmm. plans. Like they're not going to want to lose people in those first two years. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think if it becomes uh, large, la- like a large success, maybe we need to worry that they get uh, they start to rest on their laurels a bit, uh, <laughs> counting their money. But uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting time to be to be in. Like it's it's. I think of all the things, it's got me more excited about the next-gen consoles. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things is that, uh, you know, with the way the world is going, with the pandemic and the lack of information, it's easy to get down and not not be as excited about them. But I think uh, as we start to get details and, and hear about the neat things that Microsoft's doing, uh, I, th- I think it's starting to build that anticipation now. Like, I'm, I'm getting excited for November. Like, uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of big games coming out, and I want to play them in, on the best system that's available. So really looking forward to it. I mean, Xbox is eventually going to have, you know, uh, exclusive RPGs that, yeah, you can play on PC or you can play on Series X or S or whatever, like, that we're going to want to play, right? Like, uh, they, they bought Obsidian. Like, Obsidian is going to be making more games for them. They've got that kind of medieval-themed one coming up, you know, maybe the next year or two. Like, it just makes sense to kind of, I don't know. If you can, to to not rather think of it as, like, uh, I'm, I'm only Sony or I'm only Xbox or I'm only Switch, but, like, you know, if you really want to enjoy all the different games out there, if, you, if, you're, if you're able to, uh, you know, pick up these different consoles on a, on a deal at some point or trade something in to get them, like, just seems like you know, uh, it's going to be a good time for games next year. I think we're going to see a lot of good games next year that were supposed to come out this year and got pushed. Uh, the the 
the next gen consoles are probably going to try to you know come firing out of the gate in 2021 like everybody else is and so yeah i don't know we'll see i want to i want to see what sony's got for ps5 uh it's I'm, I'm definitely closer to xbox and i i get closer every time they show me something but sony hasn't really shown us a ton yet um the, the details of the price and the launch and stuff it's gonna be really key so mm-hmm. more to more to come yeah exactly usual. there'll be a last call again when once the uh once sony sony is uh you know nothing in their way to, to the to do the yeah. announcement now so maybe maybe by next week I wouldn't be surprised if next week's last call is what do you think of the PS5? (laughs) What do you think of the PS5 launch? So stay tuned for that, everybody. Um, Yeah, I think that uh, just about does this for uh, kind of what we've been playing episode. Uh, We do still have, uh, obviously, some themed episodes coming up. Uh, I think we're going to do Final Fantasy IV next week. Uh, We've got Earthbound coming up as well. Uh, Some other games kind of on the horizon. Uh, Etrian Odyssey 2. Um, uh, That's a 3DS RPG. I might uh, try to get Guillaume back on the podcast for that. Um, we're also going to be playing Crystallis uh, at some point, maybe in the next uh, four to five weeks with the Talk Nintendo podcast, another crossover with those guys. That'll be fun. Um, obviously, want to remind everybody, uh, we have a Patreon now, so I get to keep I get to plug that at the end of every <laughs> episode now. Um, we've got uh, tiers at the $2, $5, $10 level. You can check out uh, patreon.com uh, slash the Thirsty Mage. Yep. Is that, is that the website? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but there'll be details. There's details on the Thirsty Mage uh, Twitter and uh, be on the webpage as well. Uh, so, yeah, please, if you can support us, that would be awesome. It's going to help contribute to uh, the uh, content we're doing for the website, for the podcast, for the YouTube channel. Uh, but also gives you an opportunity to kind of just be doing uh, the kind of stuff we're doing, talking about RPGs playing them with us, writing, even writing about them. Uh, again, we're trying to you know create a community here of uh, like-minded individuals uh, who just want to talk about RPGs and, and review them and uh, share, the, share their feelings about them. So yeah, uh, please, you're welcome in. Uh, if you need more details about the Patreon or anything else, Thirsty Mage, you can email david at thethirstymage.com uh, or hit him up uh, on Twitter at filteredgamer. Uh, I'm at riskman64 risk on Twitter. Uh, got a lot of reviews popping up soon on nwr so you can check those out or find me on twitter where i uh, always tweet them out um uh didn't get a chance to thank everybody for listening uh if you haven't subscribed already to the podcast please do that on your podcast device of choice if you can leave us a review uh that'd be awesome let us know uh you know your thoughts about the games we've chatted we've been chatting about today or uh games you'd like to hear about us chat about on the podcast uh if you're a patreon subscriber you'll get a chance to give kind of direct us towards certain uh certain titles or certain themes as well so consider uh joining for that reason too um Anything else, David? YouTube or yeah, well, uh, web page related? Uh, there right now is an Atom RPG gameplay video of the tutorial section, like that first main base. If you want to check out the first twenty minutes or so of Atom RPG, and uh, there may or may not be a, a review <laughs> video on there as well. Uh, currently working on the video. Whether or not it it's there by the weekend might be early next week. But uh, yeah, we're um, now that September's kind of gone around. Uh, and starting up with the Patreon, we're looking to uh, be putting more content on our YouTube channel. So stay tuned to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so like I said, I think we'll be chatting about Final Fantasy IV next week, one of my favorite games. Uh, so please look forward to that. Um, and I think that'll do it for us. So thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.